What is up, everyone? It is Pariah Nation. Your host today is going to be Adnan Shafi, as usual. And we, we're always bringing on special guests. I'm really glad to introduce Ken Beda. If you guys have been on TikTok in the last few, few days, had an interesting debate and it was very productive. I'm, I'm very privileged, in fact, to have someone with his sort of perspectives on here. So Ken, just tell us a bit about yourself, what you do, where you're from. Uh, just give us a bit of context before we hop in. Hey, uh, so f- first of all, uh, I really appreciate you having me on this show. I'm a big fan of your work. I've been following uh, your TikTok for a while and I intervened because I am a fan to begin with. So uh, let me just get that out of the way. But my name is Ken Beda. I'm from Mombasa, Kenya. And uh, I've, uh, I've dabbled in advertising for a couple of years. But right now I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur and I have a couple of businesses that I run. And uh, yeah, so my background has primarily been in advertising, although I had, uh, we, I was focusing on psychographic analysis in advertising and how we could sell that kind of uh, information to companies. And so that's where my, uh, my the majority of my knowledge in psychology came from because we had to understand these complex uh, psych- psychological uh, models and uh, we had to classify masses of people into different categories and build uh, specific strategies to uh, to target different t- kinds of people and sell those strategies to companies. So that's where the extent of my knowledge comes from. And through that process, I learned the basics of uh, epistemology, which are, which are like biases, heuristics, and logical fallacies, which are ba- the basic tools that advertisers use to target, to target, uh, their, their, to target uh, the market, basically. Anyone who is... Uh, using an app, using a phone, using a software that collects your data is basically a commodity to advertisers. And yeah, that's basically my, my, uh, my background. And uh, so seeing you on TikTok kinda, it kinda gave me a hope for this uh, cohesive worldview I've had for the youth that transcends borders, transcends uh, ethnicities. And I was really elated to see someone who shared those kinds of values. So my initial uh, instincts to reach out was in support. So the, the whole premise for beginning this debate was just to kind of align our efforts if in a, in a very subtle way through conversation. I hope that's what you got as well. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, first of all, for being here. <clears throat> and I, I totally understand. I think obviously nowadays, the more that I realize, even just thinking about it, I think I'm just gonna talk about one start that's probably going to direct our conversation um, throughout. So for those who don't know, we're going to be talking about African youth and we're going to be assessing our position today and kind of making a plan on where do you want to see ourselves tomorrow. So 
the first statistic that I'm going to mention is the fact that today, as far as I know, and according to some statistics, that under 25s in Africa account for 60% of the population. That's not a half, it's like almost two thirds. So I think the more that we think about it, we, I was just talking with Ken about this earlier, we have to find our own innovative way of using our youth to leverage our societies. And obviously these are very like good points that you're bringing up. I think the more that, uh, the more that I think about it, the fact that there's so many of us, Africa's youth has no choice but to get political. And by political, I mean, you have to have ideologies. You have to be searching for truth. You have to be educated. If you can get the best education, find it and seek it out actively. It's no longer something that is optional. It is now something that has been mandated upon us because of our very situation. And I love the way you brought up all of these things like logical fallacies, all of this different stuff, because I feel like if I'm being honest, like every single person that wanted to change the world, every single big policy, every single big idea or uh, invention, I should say, started off as an idea. And ideas are always going to be knocking around and all this different stuff. So I think it's very interesting to see the youth on TikTok. And for me, it's been very great to have this sort of experience, just exchanging ideas with you. So my first question, I guess, would be, um, what, what do you think are the main things that you should be focusing on, especially in the African context? Hmm. The main things that you should, I think, okay, like, uh, uh, I think the first comment I, I, I commented on your page, no, on, on this debate was uh, that we, all, we are responsible for our feelings and that, we should, and that meant that we should focus on what we have control over. And I got that lesson from uh, Elon Musk and uh, he has this principle he got from Socrates and Aristotle, which is uh, the first, the first, uh, first uh, wait, what is it called? First principles. Basically, thinking of any situation from the first principle. So, when you when you think of any situation, you think of what you have with you in that moment and what you can do with that before you think of other things that are beyond your control. And when I think of Africa and what it has now, Africa's youth, the thing we have now is a connectivity to the world and the knowledge that is in the internet right now mixed with a culture that is unique to us. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. A culture that is unique to us and a culture that is, uh, after being uh, mixed with other cultures in the world, is still dominant and an active uh, driver of the common, of the common what we're seeing in the world right now. And with that being said, we are in the 21st century right now, and it's common knowledge that all humans are equal. So there's no excuses. We all have, we all have a, basically a, a prerogative to amass as much knowledge as we can and use that to uplift our, our social status. And when I say that, I don't mean that, uh, 
Okay, this is a very loaded, loaded uh, topic. So I'm, I'm trying to be very careful with what I'm saying so that I don't, I don't, I don't say anything that is construed to be divisive or anything like that. But there are many opportunities at our disposal. I remember when I first came back to Kenya from university, I had no clue how to make money. I, I expected to start working in freelance immediately, but I had no connections and I needed a quick way to, you know, get on my feet. And I got online and I found these transcribing sites that kind of pay you to transcribe subtitles and uh, transcribe uh, uh, audio books and stuff like that. And they pay you a couple, of, a couple of cents per like 10 words. But if you kept it consistent and you did like four to five hours a day, you could easily make like 30K Kenyan shillings a month, you know, 30,000 a month. And that really opened my eyes that the internet is out there free for everyone. And there are these ways of making money that are only away as, as far as your ignorance away from you, if that makes sense. Like if you don't, if, if you, if you knew that there is a way that, that you can make money like that, you will, people will be flocking in uh, cyber cafes and stuff like that, you know, just typing it out. But it's that ignorance that is limiting people from these uh, otherwise very easily accessible opportunities. So that that's why I, I look, I take it upon myself, knowing what I know, seeing a platform like TikTok, I, I, I know I, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not an expert in much, but I know enough to have gotten me to where I am right now. And just having this abundant, abundance uh, mentality where there's enough for everyone. I can go, I, my thought process can go in the way of thinking that if I just disseminate my knowledge out there, even if it hits one person, person that can have a trickle effect that is beyond my 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 expectation so i guess what i can say is for the africans like us who are privileged enough to have you know a laptop in front of them headphones drinking coffee off a off a, off a java cup we we kind of have a responsibility to to bridge that gap that is so evident in the status quo so that people who have, uh, and this is not any, this is not pandering to any form of righteousness or anything. This is just basic human dignity, basic human decency, right? Like uh, we share this earth with 8 billion other humans. So, and my, my view has always been that we are, we we are nodes within a network and the network is the entire humanity and we as individuals are the singular nodes but we often get lost in that individuality but the reality of things is we are this entire network that is connected regardless of our knowledge of it so that kind of gives us this prerogative to to cater to our fellow human as if it was us living another life in another biology, in another you know, environment, in another, in another experience. So 
having that free flow of knowledge, whatever, however minimal it is, but just having that free flow of knowledge so that it goes across the status quo, I think is the best, the best way of bridging that gap, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Facts. I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And for me, I think there's two main points that struck out with me. Obviously, the point of, you know, the nodes and humanity and also the fact that times have changed and um, the opportunities out there. So I want to address one thing. We've, we've brought our children up, or at least I don't have kids yet. <laughs> well, obviously, like, you know, the older generation have brought us up in this sort of degree-centered form of education. It's like, if you get a degree, you're, you're set, you're set, just keep going, you know, get into university. And for us, mostly it's like, if you go to university abroad and then you come back, that's even better, right? So that's the standard. And I feel like for me, having a degree-centered approach on a continent that is extremely young is not necessarily the way to go because things have changed. And we've seen that in this few, in these, these two decades, actually, the youth have brought us what? Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. You know, all of these things, they've, it's, they've barely been here for like 20 years, if you think about it. Snapchat is basically almost seven years old, basically, if I can remember. And to think that it's become so common in our lives, and it came from young people. So my thing is the youth are creative, and that is a great thing for the African continent. If 60% of, um, of, of us are below the age of 25, that means we can actually be able to harness a form of education that will propel the youth to actually just not just go for degrees, but to do things like start business, and which is the next point I'm actually going to address. As most Kenyans would have known, if you're not from, from Kenya or if you're watching from outside or listening from outside, rather, um, there was basically this tweet that went out about the top startups in Kenya. And it was all of them were either foreigners or white Africans. First of all, it's not necessarily a bad thing that a white African, for example, or a white Kenyan is in the top 10. Like, by all means, yeah, if you've earned it, you've earned it, right? But our main question is, that is obviously not representative of the population dynamics in our countries. Majority of Africa, Africa is essentially a black continent. And obviously, yeah, they are a minority of people, uh, for example, that have Arab lineage and white lineage. They're not de- we're not denying the Africanity, but Africa has largely been characterized, even as, as in terms of social examination, anthropology, all this different stuff, as a, in quotes, in quotes, black continent. So for me, I was a bit shocked to see the fact that, like, you know, there's only white Africans and there's only foreigners. For, um, as I think one person from France as well that are in the top 10 startups of Kenya. My, I feel like if we... Uh, if we are able to actually tell our youth the, the value of entrepreneurship and the value of being able to act on an idea and not just sort of, you know, profit-based entrepreneurship, but community-based entrepreneurship, the effects that that can have for our continent are astronomical. And for me, I think that's something we need to change in our educational system. I guess it's a twofold question for me. What's your opinion on that, um, that, that uh, like sort of picture with the top 10 startups? What's your opinion on that? And also, how do you think that entrepreneurship can play a role in Africa's future in terms of shaping it and uh, giving us a world stage and yeah, representation? Okay, so I always like to keep an objective view with these kinds of uh, and when I think when I look at our time as a republic, 
we're only what 60 something years into this as a, as a country and we've gotten this far in 60 something years right albeit with help but we've done it we've gotten this far in 60 years you can't compare that to how far america was was when it's starting and i think uh that that's something we need to take into account when we're thinking of how far we are right now. You know, just thinking of the fact that our parent, we are the first generation that is going to have the opportunity to start creating generational wealth in this, in this country or in, I think even in Africa in general. But what that, what, what that means is all these other countries, when you look at uh, the, the world stage, they've had a massive uh, head start. We are not that far behind given the head start, putting the head start into account. So my, we're gonna catch up eventually. It's, it just takes, if you look at our parents and our parents' generation, and uh, you know, like this, this a similar generation in uh, other parts of the world, like Europe or America, you can't compare the kinds of opportunities they had. So it, it wasn't a level playing field to begin with. But we got this far, regardless, and we we've determined that it's a level playing field on this in this human game. No one has superpowers that Africans don't, or no one has superpowers that white people don't. You know, it, it, it's a level playing game. We're all human. So I'm very confident that we're gonna eventually get to a, a point that is, uh, sorry, let me just make that silent. To a point that is comparable to the rest of the world, if not surpassing it, because you know, like you say, 60% of the, African youth are under 25 and that is gonna come into account later because other countries are actually declining in population so yeah I'm, I'm not really worried about the future I can see how information is spread knowledge is spreading even uh, small small contributors like me and you we are still cogs in that wheel and there's an effect happening and it's hard to tell right now just how that's going to translate in the future but i think it's going to translate positively and uh I'm sorry just remind me oh yeah so the other question was basically um on uh, entrepreneurship and as you've oh, yeah. been talking about the cogs and all that stuff I do think it's very valuable to discuss entrepreneurship because obviously a lot of Western brands, people are waiting for Western brands to come here. What can we as African youth do to start our own brands and to start writing our own story from now here, here for? Yeah. Um, like I said, man, like a lot of these things I think are inevitable. I think they're going to ha happen regardless, but I, but yeah. So just seeing how many, how many people in my generation went to study abroad and had their minds opened by meeting people from different parts of the world and 
seeing different experiences and you know just learning that there's much more than what was confined within their borders and just having an overall connectivity to the rest of the world and the ideas that are outside there in the world we we have much more of that in our generation compared to our parents generation and it's getting more and more saturated in that sense as the generations go by and uh it's i only th i think it's only a matter of time where we have spielberg spielberg like directors coming from like south africa kenya or like man i worked in advertising i worked with some very talented producers some very talented directors but all of them were worked in advertising because that's, that's none of them will make a movie because they we don't have like uh uh warner brothers in in kenya or warner brothers in south africa to you know to finance a movie for the sake of you know propelling an idea of some sort that the, the movie carries we don't have that here yet yet is the key word though we we're going to get there eventually you know we're still building our infrastructure like like i said we're only 60 something years into this i think a little patience goes a long way man i, I imagine how africa would look 150 years from now, like uh, when i'm sorry when we are 150 years into this democracy game Right. It's going to be I think it's going to be like almost Wakanda like, you know, like we we have the potential. It's not like we're the only thing that is not on our side is that time factor. They started ahead of us, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to catch up and catching up. We are man. like I worked in a, I, I, I worked with this uh, company called Link. I helped design their app. And uh, it was it was started by this American guy, and uh, he basically started this marketplace for uh, artisans and small professionals who are you know trying to get uh, basically like a junior right and services as. And there was a lot of pushback in that company when it came to the leadership, and uh, I had. When I was doing my podcast at that time, I remember interviewing someone from that company and he kept complaining about how white investors only invested when there was a white or a foreigner heading that company. And it was a very contentious issue for him at that moment. And, but I think that's a very, that's a temporary thing because Our generation is much more cognizant of the fact that we are equal than the generation that is holding power right now. I, I know there's still those people out there who still hold the ideas that the past generation does, yes, but I think the, the weight is slowly, the scale is slowly tipping. It's slowly tipping it to our, to our favor and it's slowly tipping to a point where we are more of our similarities and we focus on that more than the things that make us different. Because if you really think about it, humans are much more similar than we are different. It's, it's just that the differences are very pronounced, albeit minuscule in value, like the skin color. It's, it's such a pronounced difference 
but it's it's just melanin, right? But it's very visual and it's very striking. So it looks like a big thing, but if you really think about it, we have more in common than we have, you know, we have indifference. And I think eventually the 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 scales are gonna level out and we're gonna have uh, I might be optimistic, I might be overly optimistic, I don't know, but it just looks like an overall trend, man. If you look at how it was like 2,000 years ago and where we are now, we're way better off in that time, right? And you can obviously see a logical progression in time. So I don't think I'm too far-fetched by thinking that we're eventually gonna get to a point where it's easy, it's easier for for Africans to take advantage of the resources that they have to, and it's easier also for them to get access to education. You know, I was thinking of, uh, you know, there's so many, there's so many gaps that are yet to be filled when it comes to uh, propagating information out to fellow Africans, like, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's this guy, some Kikuyu guy who makes like, he dubs movies in, into Kikuyu and Swahili. And <laughs> it's really comical, but that gave me an idea. You know, there's so many educational videos. You know, it's so easy to just dub like Swahili uh, or Sheng or whatever, you know, or any, any local language on top of it, but basically just translating exactly what is, what is happening. And it, it, it can, it can open that information to millions of people who otherwise wouldn't have access to it. And, you know, that's one, one uh, avenue of sharing information that hasn't been explored that much yet. And I think there are many more of those that are yet to be explored and will be explored and will eventually level the playing field in the entrepreneurship game or any, any field that, you know, life encompasses really. Yeah. Yo, that those are such interesting points, man. I feel like when you brought up the Kikuyu dubbing, for me, that's just, that's pure genius. And I think I always tell people this, sometimes racism or Eurocentrism, <clears throat> these things sometimes can play into your advantage. Why? If white people don't care about black people, who else is going to care about black people other than black people? That leaves a very big gap. And I'm going to tell you a very quick story. I might do a video on her eventually. But the story of Annie Malone and Madam C.J. Walker, the two first black female African-American millionaires in the U.S. after slavery. Both their parents were slaves, right? And they were orphans. Both of them were orphaned. But how did they end up getting their wealth? The fact of the matter was, during that racial period, no one cared about black girls and their, their hair. They said, oh, no, you know, black women don't need hair care products. So what happened? Annie Malone woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm going to start making my own hair products for black women so that we ensure that at least people are taking care of their hair and there's no damage caused. She started, the first people that she sold to was her neighbors. But before we knew it, what was happening, the whole neighborhood knew about it. Then the whole town, then the whole city, then the whole country. It is said by the time that she had died, her business was in places like Ghana, South America, and she had hired up to 100,000 people. 
And for me, that just tells a story. When it comes to entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs love problems because entrepreneurs are full of solutions. So for me, I think for sure, Africa has many problems, just as any other continent does. Each has its own unique problem that only its people can have, obviously, the unique perspective to solve. So as Africans, we really need to have this mindset of, you know, it's not just about universities, it's not just about jobs. If there's a gap, I want to fill that gap, whether it's in the political world, whether it's in the world of business. We are smart, and the fact of the matter is you don't need a college education to know that there's a problem and there's a solution. And community, the more you're, you're actually you know, friendly with the community, you're embedded within your community, the better you can understand the problem and actually cater a very good solution to it. So for me, definitely, in terms of Africans, um, as youth, we need to really focus on entrepreneurship and all that stuff. And speaking of which, we've talked a bit about education. Like, what's your opinion on university? Are we putting too much emphasis on university? Are we sleeping on university? Like, you know, what are the quality of universities here? Why are we seeing many people, for example, like um, just going to different countries, even if it's just South Africa, right? And why are they not staying in, in the, the home countries to study? Well, that's a loaded question, man. Like, uh, <laughs> my opinions about university, like uh, what, what I learned in uh, a year of work was way more than what I learned in like four years of school, of university. And, you know, we, we're going into a world where AI is something that is just around the corner. We're seeing it take on uh, skills like, you know, writing scripts, doing art, you know. <laughs> AI is doing things we thought, well, only human skills, right? So I, when I think of school, I think it's, I think we are being lazy as humans and we're not, you know, being proactive with our evolution. You know, we, we're, we're waiting for a catastrophe to hit so that we have to do it and we have to think of a new system of doing things without being, you know, proactive and thinking about it right now. And because if you really think of our school models right now, they're, pretty archaic. They're set from, you know, for, for, they're set for the industrial age. We're in a completely new age right now. Like we're going through very different things. You can't, can't doing the same vocational, I was about to curse, <laughs> doing, the same, doing the same vocational studies that were put in place like just, uh, you know, to, to get people to work into factories, you know, and, uh, and companies, you know, built into blocks and, you know, small of cubicle offices. We're heading into a world where computers will be doing most of the skills that humans are doing. So we need to prepare humans to multitask, you know, to be able to find, to combine different skills and out of that. That's what we need to be focusing on, not limit not limiting humans to one vocational skill that's i think that's very limit that's very damaging for the kind of world we're getting into we're getting into a world that is completely different money is going to change uh i think geographical borders are going to change i think uh you know i just schools are the, the school system is going to change i think the workplace is going to change 
everything is about to change very drastically but we you know we're in the process of the change so it's very hard to point it out when you're in it but i think those who will not prepare effectively for that future are gonna it's gonna be bad man like you know just uh, an an ai that is really close to being possible is self-driving cars man and 40 percent of the workforce worldwide is drivers you know the truck drivers you know whether it's uh, railway drivers you know, taxi drivers that's going to be gone just like that and we're talking about within this this decade <laughs> we're not being proactive enough if you ask me in the right way you know i was just talking about this with a friend earlier and we're talking about uh, our parents and uh, how they problem solve, right? And, uh, or you can even, I can even relate to, to cancel culture where you'll find one component of the problem and you focus all your energy on this, you know, this component of the problem but what you don't realize is that you're standing too close to the elephant and you need to take a few steps back and realize that this is not the problem. The problem is much larger and you need a whole different frame of mind to even begin to reevaluate the new strategies you need to start employing to address the problem to begin with. So we are in this constant state of addressing small components of problems without really taking a step back and seeing the overarching issue in the systems that, we, that are running our lives. And uh, yeah, man, that's, uh, it'll take a while for, you know, just the collective human conscious to register that, but but I think that's the huge, that's the biggest problem we have right now. We have all these ex, expert humans who are <laughs> who have dedicated their lives in pointing out the least effective ways to deal with problems. And you know, we, at, at the end of the day, we still we're still remaining with the actual problem, which is the, the systems that are running our lives are making the path of least resistance for a happy life, very hard, you know, just for the average human. And we need to make systems that make the path of least resistance for a human life to at least be a moderate life that doesn't have suffering because we are obviously in a time of abundance. If we have billionaires that are only 1% of the population and on 50% of the earth's resources. That means we have in everybody. It's just a distribution problem. And when you start thinking in that way, you start seeing where the actual problem is. The problem isn't with race, differences in race or differences in uh, religion or differences in geography. The problem is in this inequality model that we have, this hierarchy that we have that is very skewed to benefit very few people on this earth. And of course, we're not talking about that because those people own the media and those people also, you know, they, they, they own much of 
most of the corporations that basically run our lives. So that's the last thing you're going to hear in the news. But that's the very thing that we need to be focusing on, if you ask me. Yo, I think you've, you've struck so many points. And for me, I mean, you just saying that for me and just looking at the fact that 10 years ago, I, I had a, like my mom had a flip phone and now there's no buttons on the phones. I don't think people realize how fast things are going because if you, if you look back in time, Think about it. Colonization probably happened in like 1875. And then literally 90 years later, what were people doing? 90 years later, first of all, in 1875, no one was even thinking about space. 90 years Sorry later, that's, go on. One life, that's one person's life. That's, like, we haven't even, that's one person's life in that period. We were able to see that much change. I'm sorry to interrupt, but go on. No, no, go on. Yeah, it's true. It's a very valid point to bring up because there's some people that were still alive from 1891 and like they, they died in the 90s. So here's the thing. Imagine someone was born in the industrial age and they died when someone was being put on the moon. Isn't that crazy? For me, it's like, it's, it's surreal because now even going to the moon, it's like, it's not a big deal. Now we're talking not about the moon, we're talking about Mars. And for me, my question is like, what role does Africa play in the future? And I remember actually one president that I, I must commend, I must, I like, there's no way you can talk about Africa and Afrofuturism without commending this man, right? Be, him with, be it with his flaws, this man has done tremendous work. Paul Kagame is preparing Rwanda for the future. I've heard that he's about to start a school that is focusing on getting the brightest minds in science so that Rwanda can be the first country in the world to produce the quantum computer. So for me, like, you know, these are big goals. And the thing is, for us, our mind is just at the degree level. It's like, just get a degree. Fanyakazi too. For those who don't know what Fanyakazi means, it just basically means like, do work, right? Um, it's like, so go ahead, do your work, become a lawyer, become a doctor, become an engineer. As long as you have a good life, then finished. I feel like because of things like colonialism, we have embedded within ourselves a non-creative mindset. We've really forgotten about our ancestors. And for me, what hurts me the most is studying pre-colonial African history in my own time. The fact that, for example, the people of Mali could be doing um, you know, cataract surgeries 800 years ago. And they can be, Mali, the, the University of Sankore was essentially like a Harvard. It was one of the few universities on earth. Even when you look here in Ethiopia, they were building certain buildings that were so heavy and so high without a crane. People are wondering how they did it. And the thing is, colonialism came to just teach us that our job is to wait for the West. But us, we need to get off these chains. And for me, I think as we move into the last areas of this podcast, or like the, the last sort of segments, I must stress this. As Africans, we have no choice but to be a team. The one thing that killed our ancestors was the fact that we were divisive. We saw each other as, oh, you're, you're a Kikuyu. Oh, you're a Mandinka. Oh, you know, you're from this tribe. No, we must have a hegemonic identity, recognize and appreciate our differences. But unless we're willing to become one team together, we're legit, we're not going to move. That's just a fact of the matter. So my, my question, obviously, feel free to comment on the, the fact that we're moving 
Um, we're moving quite quickly. I want you maybe to talk about, you know, the way we have Bitcoin, all this different stuff. Are, we, are the youth really ready for that? And also, um, my second question to you would be the question of Pan-Africanism. How do, we, how do we ingrain that in our kids, you know, or our generation at least? How do we make Pan-Africanism on our agenda? Yeah, so, yeah, like, I agree with everything you're saying, man. Like, we, we, we definitely don't have an appreciation for how fast things are moving. And a lot of people are going to be left by the wayside, you know, just based off, uh, I, I don't think it is, retirement is going to be a thing in the, in the next couple of decades. But, yeah, even, uh, but one thing I'm looking forward to is, like you, you mentioned Bitcoin and I'm, I'm, I'm big on world events that kind of uh, signify a, a crux in our entire human timeline. And the, the existence of Bitcoin is one of those moments where I think it's gonna be a marker in our human time, timeline, something people are gonna go back to and go like, this is a milestone because this is the first time in our human existence that we've managed to build systems that have trust embedded into them. And this is, this is loaded because it means that we are no longer going to have to depend on humans to be trustworthy because the system itself is going to guarantee that, you know, whatever interaction is happening on the system follows uh, the algorithms or the, you know, there are many ledger based systems, but you know, they all have one thing in common, which is they guarantee that every transaction is going to be logged into the ledger for, and it's going to be open for everyone's perusal. And it's also going to be decentralized, meaning bits of it are going to be saved in a network of computers so that you can't shut down one and expect the whole thing to disappear. So that, that's an unprecedented change in just our evolution as humans, because for the first time, we can get rid of something like corruption. We can get rid of uh, things like, uh, you know, uh, fraud. Uh, you know, all these uh, negative things that come with commerce, that come with capitalism, that come with governance, that come with uh, hierarchies, that come with uh, information flow, all these things are suddenly disappearing with this one technology that is also fast, uh, rapidly growing and rapidly evolving and rapidly becoming better over time. And I think we, we, we don't realize just how much that is going to change our lives, you know. It's going to change our lives in a dramatic way. And I don't think, I don't think even 10% uh, of humans existing right now even appreciate the magnitude of that, of that, of, of that change that is about to happen. So with that being said, my 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 overall outlook in this life thing is that it is 
it is flowing regardless. You know, there's, there's this flow that is undeniable. That is, you know, we might, we might feel an agency towards it when we're doing things that is we in the same direction as the flow, but I think the flow is happening regardless. And it's flowing towards a world where border, like a world where we're looking at the world more objectively, more truthfully in its real sense where borders don't exist, where humans are a spectrum of all kinds of things. And it's not, we're not separated by this identity politics that separate us right now. I think we're going to look back 150 years from now, we're going to look back at this time, looking at how immature we were as a species, you know, separated by these trivial things. And, uh, you know, we're going to laugh at our baby steps, you know, but I think we're heading into a world that is, you know, it's hard to prepare for, but it's coming regardless. And it's just a matter of time, man. Like, when I think of when I when I think of history and just how how life has changed over time, I'm not even worried. I'm just, I'm actually very privileged. I feel very privileged to belong in this time and moment where we're seeing this much change, man. I I can't imagine going back with a cell phone back to pre-colonial Africa. You know, just 18, 1880. Just imagine going back. With, you know. It, don't, no safari call, no nothing. Just the cell phone with no SIM card, man. Take a picture of someone, show it to them. Like, you, you're going to be worshipped after that, you know? Like, the, we're literally on the cusp of... Let me, let me hold, hold my horses before I say something contentious. But, you know, we're, 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 we're testing that line of, you know, becoming gods man like we're 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 like testing those waters if you really think about it if you really think about these greek gods and the powers they had you know poseidon and his power over water we have submarines we have yachts we have ships you know think of uh you know we just all all these ideologies that we've held over time all these all these um ideals we've exalted we're slowly conquering them one by one, man. And it's as much as we are we are wired to 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 stay true to our culture, to stay true to our to the things that have raised us, the, the ideals that have raised us, the ideals that we were born into. We also need to re- recognize that those ideals also evolve through time and we are part of that evolution and we are we're putting ourselves we're giving ourselves a harder time with that evolution when when we fight it i think it's much better to lean into it lean into that technology lean into you know even like when i see early adopters of something like TikTok, tiktok like you or you know i joined late i it took some time for me to even like you know, think of it as a viable platform for for me to consider because you know just the stigma around it. People thought it was just for kids, but you know, seeing something like TikTok and just how connective it, how 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 it brings about a new level of connectivity that I've never seen before. You know, me coming from uh, an advertising background, 
we literally used to commoditize attention. Like that, that one view literally had a, had a monetary value. And we would sell that to our clients. Like we guarantee you this, this much engagement, this many views, we guarantee this, this much turnover into your product being bought and stuff like that. And seeing just how, how, uh, how connective TikTok is, man. Like just the fact that you can reach out to kids who are eight years old and otherwise teach them shit that they will never learn without your, you know, without your, uh, without your, them stumbling onto your TikTok or whatever, or something like that. That's a very powerful thing. And this is part of that evolution that I'm talking about. You know, and it's the early adopters that are gonna, you know, eventually gonna uh, win off this, this evolution. But I'm sorry, I've kind of gone into a tangent. Would you uh, please, if you will kindly just remind me what we were talking about. No, that's totally fine. I think um, <clears throat> we're just talking about education and all that stuff. Um, yeah, okay. And okay. like how obviously we can be able to view it. Will we be able to catch up? Because, you know, this, this world is moving fast. Yeah. So, so I feel like we're, we're, we're both aiming for, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, you know, we're playing a game of hurdles. There, there are people already like, you know, they're hopping over the hurdles, they're hopping over the hurdles. But us, we're still just kind of like focusing on the first one. We're not focusing on how we're going to get over the last one. You know, that's the main thing that we're talking about. <clears throat> okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. that's what I was avoiding, actually. My, my view on that is kind of bleak, right? Because uh, I've, 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 I've had a lot of conversations with people, you know, like 50 years and over. And uh, oof, it's 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 tough, man. Like I don't think they're in a position where they're willing to change how they think, given that they spent you know over de- you know decades entrenched in however they think right now. So my strategy has always been to wait for that generation to just pass the torch, you know, which is a uh, it's a empathetic way of saying waiting for them to die, basically. <laughs> but, but I think, <laughs> but I think it's gonna be easier for people in, you know, when I think of uh, people in our generation, you know, even thinking of our interaction online. I don't know if that's an interaction like two people in their fifties would have, you know, especially online. And as much as this is a rare thing, I hear someone walk into my office, but as much as this is a rare thing, I think it's, it's spreading slowly. It's, it's slowly growing and the collective African consciousness is slowly rising. You know, we are all, we are all, all of us, our history has been erased and we are all thirsty for a new narrative that defines us. And, you know, like, just like a phoenix rises from the ashes, man, I think that's, you know, that's essentially what's gonna happen with us. And I see it slowly with small things like culture, man. 
I I watch uh, music videos these days, and I'm, I just love seeing how expressive African music videos are, you know, and and how much they've changed, how much, you know, how how much more confident they are, you know, in just expressing who they are, and I think that's going to trickle down into other sectors as well, you know, whether it's uh, business, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's uh, education, because you know we're humans just like everyone else, you know, and uh, it's the only thing that is bridging us away from the rest of humanity is that lack of opportunity. You know, I, I went to school in Malaysia and they had stores where you could like anything you could think of building, you just go into a store and like they'd have anything you, you could think of to get the company. Like they, they had sectors in the town, in the town, like there was a place there was a there was a sector in Kuala Lumpur city that was known just for selling transistors, you know, and something like that. We, I, I think when we get to a point where we 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 have uh, self reliant systems like that, and it's gonna happen, we're gonna see a much more accelerated uh, uh, level of growth compared to what you know. We we are lagging behind on many things, but we are catching up on the things that matter. And the things that matter are, you know, look at our, our economies, look at our, you know, our, our youth. These are people who are hungry for knowledge, people who are, you know, hungry for innovation. And it's, the more information is dissipated, the more we're gonna see of that. And I'm not really, I'm concerned, but not to a, neurotic level where I think it's gonna hit the fan. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we're gonna catch up to a level that is, uh, yeah, it, it is at least gonna put us on a level playing field with the rest of the world. Yeah, thank you so much for that, man. I think for me, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say one last thing and then we'll do closing statements and then we can close off for tonight. But I just, I'm gonna shamelessly plug my experience at my, my old school. So I, I went to a school by the name of the African Leadership Academy. And um, yeah, we're kind of looking for these people essentially who are interested in improving the continent and they have a sort of zeal for the continent. And I must state that although most people think that Africa is lagging behind, I've been privileged enough to be exposed to a group of people that I know for a fact are going to change this continent. And, you know, I used to take these things for granted, but um, you, you're very familiar with blockchain, right? So for those who don't know what blockchain is, we've, we basically already talked about it. Decentralized voting, all this different stuff, decentralized, um, you know, um, banking systems for like, you know, where to keep your money, etc, etc. And there's that element of trust and accountability. So if someone wants to hack the system and hack the votes, they have to hack, let's say, another million computers because, like, decentralized information. And for me, what really shocked me is that when I was running for student government chair, we had a blockchain election. And it was a group of four people who sat in their room. And I remember going into their room for four days, four days, no sleeping. I don't know how those guys survived. They, they, they came together and they coded. They were really, really working hard. And they produced something that was purely immaculate. The election ran properly. Within one second, the results came out. 
And for me, just thinking that, you know, these kids are like, we're 18, we're 19. And like, you know, this is what I mean by the youth is powerful. Even something like social media, for example, I've never seen in, the, in history, apart from, let's say, when, of course, you know, age back then was different. When you were seven years old, you were an adult. But now, people who are considered like young, extremely young, are taking the world by storm. Charlie D'Amelio has over 50 million followers on TikTok. And she's linking up with brands. And it's, it's not just like small money. If you're the most followed person on an app, best believe you'll be earning money if they come to you, right? From literally, it was overnight. She became famous overnight, right? The youth have never been so powerful. So if you're hearing this as a young African, my advice to you is to look at the tools that you have, right? As we, and then we're going to link it back to the beginning of the talk. Look at what you have and take, take ownership of what, what you can control and use it to the full extent. My, my prediction is actually within the next 40, 50 years, um, university as we know it is going to change. We're going to see more online classes. Corona has just proved to us that universities can, like literally, I was here and I was doing my exams for university in the UK, right? For me, it's just proved that things are changing so quick. As the youth, you have an option to pick up the pen and write the, the pages, write on the pages of history as everyone else is doing, or you stand back and watch. Those are the two options you've been given. So without further ado, let's do closing statements, and then we can be able to close out the podcast. Yeah, man, uh, all, I, all I'd like to say is uh, I'd like people to, re- to realize and recognize that we are in a very pivotal point in our existence as the collective species that we are, the whole world, you know, as humans. And there's uh, an opportunity for, you know, just like you said, you know, with these platforms like TikTok and whatever platform you have in your disposal, if you have a mobile phone, if you have a laptop, if you have, you know, uh, any gadget that connects you to the outside world and you, you think you have something of value to share, I think just having that... Uh, that mindset that if you share more will come and that we are in abundant in an abundance in an abundance world right now where not, giving is not really taking away from you and giving will bring back in ways that you are yet to even fathom and that's basically how the world works right now and you know instead of that scarcity model where giving is taking away from you, you know, just realizing that that's the world we live in right now and operating with that frame of mind, I think it can, it can go a long way in making, sh- in making sure that you exploit this time in history to its fullest and you come out the other end of it beneficial. And uh, yeah, man, like, uh, Man, there's a lot I'd like to close with. You know, there's there's a lot I like our youth to understand. You know, when it comes to uh, mental health, you know, uh, just uh, self-assessment. You know, like uh, self-perception. And I, I, like I said, I believe if you want to change the world, you wanna you 
you have to start with them. You have to start with what you have control over. And I think if you spend a majority of your energy making sure that what is coming out from within you is in its, as pure as possible, and you have spent some time, you know, to, to even to evaluate what you believe in, what you think, and you know, just uh, question everything you think to be obvious, and you know, figure out for yourself whether these ideas, these concepts that you hold, whether they are, whether you have come to them in the most reliable way possible, or whether they are the most beneficial for you to hold. I think those are questions everyone should ask themselves concerning the beliefs they hold and the ideas that they they use to act on because many people many of us you know we're born into this uh we're born into families that we didn't choose we're born into bodies we didn't choose we're born into names we didn't choose we're born to names we didn't choose tribes we didn't choose countries we didn't choose yet religions we didn't choose yet these are the things that we choose to identify with. But I think each human has a wealth of identity that is untapped within them that can be, you know, can be tapped into with some introspection with, that is, you know, that is guided to value truth and to value, you know, truth in whatever outcome. Because I think the best way to exist in this reality is to be in line with it, not to be against it in any way, shape, or form. So if you, if you work on that, if you work on ways in which you are congruent and in line with reality, I think life will just flow for you in a way that is much more, much more uh, satisfying and you know, just uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fulfilling. You know, even if you 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 don't have what someone else might think success is, you I think given that work, you will come to find your own definitions of success that have nothing to do with expectations and, and concepts that you have found in this world. And yeah, that's what I'd like to close with, man. First of all, thank you so much, Ken, for taking time out of your busy schedule to to be here with us. I think even from, from my perspective, I think it's important for us to recognize where this started on and it'll like very, link very well into the end of this podcast. Me and Ken have not met each other in real life. As of three days ago, we barely knew each other's first names, but me speaking out on a platform and him engaging with me using his platform was it, it kind of brought out this valuable conversation that kind of forged this friendship if i may say <clears throat> that has actually like an allyship i'd say that has been very productive and we've been able to make stuff happen just literally from a one minute video one minute discourse three part series that's it and what I'd like to close with is the, the future is in your pockets. That's literally where, the, where it is. The future is in your pockets. And as Ken has mentioned, this abundance mindset with the access to, to social media, 
with the access to different ways of, for example, getting money, M-Pesa, all this different stuff, Bitcoin is around the corner. We have never been given so much opportunity, right? We've been given so much opportunity in this generation. As Africans, we have to double down. Remember, as Africans, we have one advantage. It's our youth. The fact that we cannot come here and import systems from countries like Germany or Japan or the UK, where they have aging populations, we cannot expect to use their policies to suit us or to further our aims. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I'd like to thank every single person for, for coming through and listening. And I really sincerely hope you enjoyed the podcast. Deal with whatever you have and um, fill your life with this abundance mindset. Try new things. Don't be afraid of the unknown. And um, as Pariah Nation, we just like to sign out. Thank you so much and good night.